been a while since I've been up in the pulpit um, in the wrestling business, as my brother once said, you know, wrestlers who haven't been in the business for a while and then they go to get back in the ring, they suffer from what's known as ring rust and I'm hoping that tonight I don't suffer from pulpit rust, but we will find out. I already kind of started off with that whenever I got to trying to put my sermon upon my little disk drive and... I ejected it from my computer, and I say, you know, I better check that before I go. And I put it back in my computer, and then there it wasn't. And I was like, oh, no, where'd it go? And so then I began to panic, and I just grabbed it and threw it in the next available folder that was on my disk drive. And then whenever I got here, I was like, where is it? I don't know what folder I threw it in. And I just thought, you know, well, that's what I get. A little bit of rust going on. So hopefully it goes a little bit better. It's not, we're going to talk about how Jesus fed the 5,000. I don't really want to chase a whole lot of rabbits. I'm, I've been known to rabbit chase before, but I want to kind of stick to it if I can here. That way we don't go too long. But there are several things that we can take from this study. So we're only going to cover the first 21 verses of John chapter 6 tonight, where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Beginning in verse 1, he says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Now, after what things? Well, if we recall back to John chapter 5, Jesus had gone up to Jerusalem with his disciples because uh, there was a feast of the Jews that was taking place. And so Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and as he's getting close uh, to the pool of Bethesda, he sees a lame man, a sick person, or an impotent man, depending upon the translation that you're reading. The New King James would call him a diseased man, who was there by the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus sees this man by the pool of Bethesda, and he said, would you be healed, or do you want to be healed? And he said, sir, I have no one to bring me down into the water. And Jesus told him, arise and take up your bed and walk, and he did. He took up his bed, and he began to walk with his bed, (laughs) which is A miracle because the Bible tells us of this account of this impotent man that he had been in this condition. He was this diseased condition for at least 38 years there. And there he was. He said, I have no one to carry me down into the water. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And as he took up his bed to walk, the Jews saw him and they said, why are you carrying your bed? This is the Sabbath day. And the man said, that guy over there, he healed me. And from that point forward, the Jews sought to kill Jesus. And I just thought of how crazy this was because you would think, rejoice over the fact that this man who had been in this condition for so long was healed. But instead, they were enraged by it. How dare you heal this person? It should have been a joyous occasion. But they weren't. And so from the rest of that point forward, Jesus had to rebuke the Jews about his authority. Because who are you to heal somebody on the Sabbath? 
and they sought to kill him. Jesus would tell them about Moses, and he would say, if you had, uh, if you had believed Moses, you would believe me because he wrote of me. They were stiff-necked, you know, and they just couldn't accept that Jesus was who he was. But whenever he says, after these things, that's what had just taken place. Now, it took me a while on the map. I, I was actually struggling on my mapping of all this, so I didn't put a map on here because of my struggles I had, okay? But it took me a while because I was thinking this was like the next day or just a little bit afterward, but actually it was at least a couple of days because Jesus went from Jerusalem up to the Sea of Galilee, which is north of Jerusalem. It took me a while to find it, guys. It pulpit rust going a study rust maybe but this is what it says of him in verse number two then a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased and jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples now the question that stuck out to me in just reading that was how many people did jesus heal because you notice there it's not a singular but rather a plural. The great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those that were diseased. John chapter 5 doesn't specifically mention that he healed more than one person, but you know, around the pool of Bethesda, there were several who were laying there. And of this one impotent man is the account that we have. Maybe Jesus healed more. I don't know. But here's what we do know. Everywhere Jesus was going, he was healing somebody or doing some miraculous thing. Recall back to John chapter 4 where he healed the nobleman's son. Recall back at the well a little bit later, earlier in John chapter 4 where he talked to the woman at the well and she said, ran back to the people and said, Is not this the Christ, the one that's to come? Because of what Jesus had said, she knew that this was him, or this had to be. Recall John chapter 3, where Nicodemus came and said, No man can do the miracles that you do except God be with him. Everywhere Jesus had gone or was going, he was doing these miracles. Whether it was healing the sick, causing the blind to see, turning the water into wine. For the wedding feast he had this following but the question is why were they following him you see they followed because of the signs that they saw and of what they heard the jews heard about it whenever they wanted to stone jesus or kill jesus because they saw that impotent man and they said why are you carrying your bed it was hearsay hey that guy over there healed me they didn't see it later on in the life of jesus herod is going to get very happy because he sees jesus and he's hoping that hey maybe i'm going to see a miracle because this guy's a miracle worker and i'm hoping that i can see a miracle people wanted to see a miracle and that question the question that i would have then is what is our motivation if we're an Applying it to ourselves, what's our motivation for following Christ? What are we following him for? Why do we 
Go to church. Why do we read our Bibles? What is our hope or gain in doing so? Are we following Jesus because we want to see a sign? Or are we following Jesus because we love him, we love his word, we trust in him? What was their motivation? What's our motivation? Their curiosity or was it that they truly believed that he was the Christ, the son of the living God? Remember what Jesus told that nobleman before he healed his son? He said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. They were after a sign. And then once word got out that Jesus was this guy who did these miraculous things, people wanted to go see it. Maybe I'll get, I wonder what he'll do next. And there they were, following him for their curiosity, not because they cared who he was. Today, we should follow Jesus, not because we're seeking after something from him, not because we're looking for a sign, but because we truly want to follow him. And that sort of reminds me there of uh, back in my college days when one of my friends asked me, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm saying oh, it was Super Bowl Sunday, matter of fact. I've told this before from the pulpit. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and, and he said, what are you doing for the Super Bowl, or where are you going to go? And I said, well, I'm going to church. And his mouth dropped open like, they're making you go to church? And I was like, no, I'm going because I want to go to church. There's a difference. I don't have to go to church, but I want to go to church. I want to study God's word. I want to be around godly people. We should follow because we truly want to. Verse number four, he says, Now the Passover, <clears throat> a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. This was a test of Philip's faith in God and Jesus to show or to see rather what what his answer would be do you have faith in me philip that i can provide for these people but of course philip fails the test and he answered and he said 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little a denarii of course was one day's wage so 200 denarii is what he's saying. I could work for 200 days, not saying that he had 200 days worth of money in his pocket, but I could work for 200 days, Jesus, and it still wouldn't be enough to buy the food to feed this many people. Philip's answer should have been more of, we don't have enough, Jesus, but I trust in you and believe in you that you'll provide but it wasn't. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? You see, even Andrew had a little bit of that doubt in him. Because he looked out there just like Philip did, and he saw this great multitude, and he said, We don't have enough. And Andrew looked and said, listen, we got five barley loaves and two, but that's not enough. What is it amongst so many? No matter how much they had, 
They just couldn't see the fact that Jesus was going to provide. No matter what miracle they had seen Jesus do already, it would take them a little while before they finally would say, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, I mean, or Doubting Thomas where he would say, my Lord and my God. I mean, it took several miracles for them to finally realize Jesus had this power to provide for his people. <clears throat> Verse 10, he says, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish as much as they wanted of course we could say jump into the number there was it really 5,000 people or it was 5,000 men but what about the women and children and then some commentators would estimate that it would be closer to 15,000 people or 20,000 people 5,000 people is a lot of people, but once you add in the women and the children, it's even more. And all you have is these six little barley loaves and these two small fish. You can see where Andrew and where Philip would be like, it's not enough. It's too many people. But Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks for it. For just that small amount that he had he gave thanks for that small amount. You ever think about that for a second? Just in our own personal lives, we can sometimes look at our situation and see the little bit that we have and are we thankful for just that little bit? Or do we want more? God, if you would only multiply what I have right now, I would be thankful. How about just be thankful for what you got? Because no matter how much you have or no matter how little you have, God can use what you have if you will just give it to him. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. That was just the scraps. That was the leftovers. That was what remained after everyone had eaten and were filled. He multiplied what they had. He had that ability. But then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Be our king. Come back. Where are you going? We want, of course, we know through studying of the scriptures how they had this idea that the Messiah was going to come and he was going to set up this earthly kingdom. They finally had their king. Here he is. And they're going to come and take him by force and say, <laughs> You're our king. You're our leader. Jesus, knowing what they were doing, what their motivation was behind it, he departed from them by himself. <clears throat> now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark. 
and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind blowing. And he says, so when they had rolled about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But said to them, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land where they were going. And in a nutshell, that's what happened. Jesus walked out onto the water to them, but he says about three or four miles out they were. And they got out there and the winds were blowing and the waves were crashing. And they were afraid because here comes Jesus walking on the water. In another account of that, you would see that Jesus said, It's I, don't be afraid. And Peter would say, Hey, if it's really you, bid me come to you. But in John's account, he said, it's I, and they welcomed him into the boat. Because who else could have done what he had just done? Fed the 5,000, healed the impotent man, took the nobleman's son who was sick unto death, and made him whole again. Who could tell you anything that you had ever done? As a woman on the well who had taken the water, who had turned it into wine, the miracles and the wonders and the signs which they saw, his disciples knew. Jesus is in control. He has the power of our lives. And so what's our takeaways from this? One is follow Jesus because you want to follow Jesus. Not because someone's making you follow Jesus. It's not like back in the old days where they would take you by sword point and be like, you're getting baptized, okay? No, you're following him because you want to follow him. Not because you're saying, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus because if I follow Jesus, he's going to bless my bank account. Like some people might preach. <clears throat> following him because he has the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else to go because you want to follow him. Not for gain, but for faith in him. Have faith in him and his word. Because it's only through him and through his word that we can have eternal life. There's no other way in to have that blessing. But it requires you giving Jesus your all. Submitting unto him. Making him Lord in your life. Following after him. Going out and living godly everywhere you go. You see, just like those people who had saw these miracles and signs which he had did, they went forth from there telling everyone around, hey, this guy healed me. Hey, Jesus walked on the water. Hey, he turned the water into wine. Just like Nicodemus going up and saying, we know that you are a prophet come from God. They knew these things because of what? they had but it requires us giving Jesus our all much like the rich young ruler who when he had come to Jesus because of the things he had heard of Jesus went to him and said what what things must I do to have eternal life Jesus told him what he needed to do but he wasn't willing to do it to see your all no matter the storm that you might face in life much like the wind and the waves that crashed around the disciples as Jesus went out there walking on the water, how they must have been so afraid. I'd be terrified. I'd lay on a boat. I stay away from water. No matter what you might face in life, however, 
Jesus can calm the storm. That you're... With that being said, the lesson is yours. <clears throat> if there's someone here tonight who is in need of the prayers of the church, we want to offer you at this time that opportunity to come forth and to let your request be made known if you need to be baptized or anything that you might have need of to let Jesus be Lord in your life, to give your all to him, we would offer you an invitation at this time as we sing the song that's been selected.